Section 15 of The Spirit of Place and Other Essays. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. The Spirit of Place and Other Essays by Alice Maynell. The Horizon. To mount a hill is to lift with you something lighter and brighter than yourself, or any meaner burden. You lift the world. You raise the horizon. You give a signal for the distance to stand up. It is like the scene in the Vatican, when a cardinal, with his dramatic Italian hands, bids the kneeling groups to arise. He does more than bid them. He lifts them. He gathers them up, far and near, with the upward gesture of both arms. He takes them to their feet with the compulsion of his expressive force. Or it is as when a conductor takes his players to successive heights of music. You summon the sea, you bring the mountains. The distances unfold, unlooked for wings, and take an even flight. You are but a man lifting his weight upon the upward road, but as you climb the circle of the world goes up to face you. Not here or there, but with a definite continuity, the unseen unfolds. This distant hill outsoars that less distant. But all are on the wing, and the plain raises its verge. All things follow, and wait upon your eyes. You lift these up, not by the raising of your eyelids, but by the pilgrimage of your body. Lift thine eyes to the mountains. It is then that other mountains lift themselves to your human eyes. It is the law whereby the eye and the horizon answer one another that makes the way up a hill so full of universal movement. All the landscape is on pilgrimage. The town gathers itself closer, and its inner harbors literally come to light. The headlands repeat themselves. Little cups within the treeless hills open and show their farms. In the sea are many regions. A breeze is at play for a mile or two, and the surface is turned. There are roads and curves in the blue and in the white. Not a step of your journey up the height that has not its replies in the steady motion of land and sea. Things rise together like a flock of many feathered birds. But it is the horizon, more than all else, you have come in search of. That is your chief companion on your way. It is to uplift the horizon to the equality of your sight that you go high. You give it a distance worthy of the skies. There is no distance, except the distance in the sky, to be seen from the level earth. But from the height is to be seen the distance of this world. The line is sent back into the remoteness of light. The verge is removed beyond verge into a distance that is enormous and minute. So delicate and so slender is the distant horizon that nothing less near than Queen Mab and her chariot can equal its fineness. Here on the edges of the eyelids, or there on the edges of the world, we know no other place for things so exquisitely made, so thin, so small and tender. The touches of her passing as close as dreams, 
or the utmost vanishing of the forest or the ocean in the white light between the earth and the air. Nothing else is quite so intimate and fine. The extremities of a mountain view have just such tiny touches as the closeness of closed eyes shuts in. On the horizon is the sweetest light. Elsewhere color mars the simplicity of light, but there color is effaced, not as men efface it, by a blur or darkness, but by mere light. The bluest sky disappears on that shining edge. There is not substance enough for color. The rim of the hill, of the woodland, of the meadowland, of the sea, let it only be far enough, has the same absorption of color, and even the dark things drawn upon the bright edges of the sky are lucid. The light is among them, and they are mingled with it. The horizon has its own way of making bright the penciled figures of forests, which are black but luminous. On the horizon, moreover, closes the long perspective of the sky. There you perceive that an ordinary sky of clouds, not a thunder sky, is not a wall, but the underside of a floor. You see the clouds that repeat each other grow smaller by distance, and you find a new unity in the sky and earth that gathers alike the great lines of their designs to the same distant close. There is no longer an alien sky, tossed up in unintelligible heights above a world that is subject to intelligible perspective. Of all the things that London has foregone, the most to be regretted is the horizon. Not the bark of the trees in its right color, not the spirit of the growing grass, which has in some way escaped from the parks, not the smell of the earth unmingled with the odor of soot, but rather the mere horizon. No doubt the sun makes a beautiful thing of the London smoke at times, and in some places of the sky, but not there, not where the soft sharp distance ought to shine. To be dull there is to put all relations and comparisons in the wrong, and to make the sky lawless. A horizon dark with storm is another thing. The weather darkens the line and defines it, or mingles it with the raining cloud, or softly dims it, or blackens it against a gleam of narrow sunshine in the sky. The stormy horizon will take wing, and the sunny. Go high enough, and you can raise the light from beyond the shower, and the shadow from behind the ray. Only the shapeless and lifeless smoke disobeys and defeats the summer of the eyes. Up at the top of the seaward hill your first thought is one of some compassion for sailors, inasmuch as they see but little of their sea. A child on a mere channel cliff looks upon spaces and sizes that they cannot see in the Pacific on the ocean side of the world. Never in the solitude of the blue water, never between the Cape of Good Hope and Cape Horn, never between the islands and the west, has the seaman seen anything but a little circle of sea. The ancient mariner, when he was alone, did but drift through a thousand narrow solitudes. The sailor has nothing but his mast, indeed. And but for his mast, he would be isolated in as small a world as that of a traveller through the plains. 
Round the plains the horizon lies with folded wings. It keeps them so perpetually for man, and opens them only for the bird, replying to flight with flight. A close circlet of waves is the sailor's famous offing. His offing hardly deserves the name of horizon. To hear him you might think something of his offing, but you do not so when you sit down in the center of it. As the upspringing of all things at your going up the heights, so steady, so swift, is the subsidence at your descent. The further sea lies away, hill folds down behind hill. The whole upstanding world, with its looks serene and alert, its distant replies, its signals of many miles, its signs and communications of light, gathers down and pauses. This flock of birds, which is the mobile landscape, wheels and goes to earth. The cardinal weighs down the audience with his downward hands. Farewell to the most delicate horizon. End of section 15